Welcome back to the Lifestar of St. George podcast. I'm here with Jeff Ford, and today we're going to talk about a couple of areas that we've noticed over the years are vulnerabilities, or just really areas to watch out for when you're working through recovery from pornography, sexual addiction, and betrayal trauma. Men and women have particular vulnerabilities and sensitivities that uh, sometimes can get in their way. And so Jeff's going to talk today about one area that he's, uh, you know, for men that he that he recognizes needs to be addressed. And I'm going to talk about an area for women that can oftentimes make things difficult for them as they're working through recovery. These are just friendly reminders and things that I think will help you as you're working forward in your own healing. So I'm going to jump right in. That's okay. We'll yeah, that's t- great. Yep. Let's get into Let's talk it. about the women's area. So what I've noticed is that a lot of women uh, naturally are going to talk um, about their story with other women. We encourage that. We want women to break out of isolation and have a chance to really share their stories. But there's sort of a uh, another side to this that maybe comes up that I think is definitely unintentional. The woman who's listening and trying to be supportive oftentimes has gone through something identical to that or something similar. And so as she's listening, all of a sudden, she's hearing this woman maybe talk about um, a struggle, her husband just acted out or crossed a line or they're really in a, in a dark place. And she's listening, trying to be supportive. But all of a sudden, she's noticing in her own body and her emotions that she's now wondering, is my husband doing the same stuff? Is this going on? Do I need to be worried now? Am I missing something? Am I just kind of the idiot that's like, you know, getting uh, bamboozled here? And so all of a sudden, she can become activated. We call it triggered. She can start to feel like, Maybe there's something, this is a signal that something's going wrong in her own marriage and she needs to now go home and confront her husband. Or maybe she won't bring it up and just suffer silently. But either way, she's now kind of like uh, stopped really listening and supporting this other woman and now she's in her own stuff. And this chain reaction happens a lot. And it's a, it's a real risk factor for a lot of women uh, when they share their stories. And it's interesting because some women get so far down the road in their own like fear about what they're they are already planning the conversation they're going through okay how am i going to check to make sure everything's legitimate that everything's real and they've they're like in a different world they're in this like false world where they've already accepted the premise that oh yes my my husband is acting out it's my job to figure out how to you know bring that to the surface right And I want to address this in terms of what to do about it from two different perspectives. The one perspective is, how do you continue listening without checking out? Because, you know, that's going to make you feel bad about yourself. That Like, oh, I can't even support my friend because I make it all about me. And then I'm also going to talk about what can you do with all the stuff that comes up when you're driving home and thinking about everything and starting to get panicked. So the first thing is, let's talk about how to stay present with the other woman or women that you're listening to. And the best thing is, one, is just to notice. Just to notice what's happening in your body and just breathe. And this is a good thing to say to yourself, which is, this is her story. I'm here for her. And I'm just going to stay in empathy and recognize that in order for you to really be there for her, you have to access that same feeling that she's experiencing, right? Like You're going to connect to it in a really real way. Otherwise, you're just more of a, a spectator. So to really be there with her in that experience, in that emotion, you're going to have to access that. So recognize that that's going to bring up that vulnerability, and that's okay. 
but it also needs to have some boundaries around it, which basically says, I can feel and remember what it was like for me, but I can also be there for her. And I don't have to like project onto my life exactly what's going on with her. This is an internal boundary. It's a self-awareness. It's a discipline type thing. And I think it takes a lot of trust and faith and, and believing that, you know what? I don't have to do anything about her information right now. I can just be here with her, feel with her, let her know that she's not alone. Um, and then I'll work through the next part I'm going to talk about, what to do with your own emotions. I can work through that later. Um, you're not ignoring it. You're just recognizing that it's not the time or place for you to make this about you. Right. It's really the height of what Brene Brown talks about with empathy of feeling with another person. But you want to feel with them to the degree that you're able to empathize and and support them, but not take it on. Right. Yeah. Because the second you take it on, you're going to lose the connection. And that's not fair to you. It's not fair to them. And it's really not what you're there to do anyway. And I've never heard a woman that was glad she did it. It's not something that you know people plan to do. It just gets activated. So you can you can work to um, become self-aware and you can practice even outside of that conversation. You can practice other times noticing how you feel, noticing your body, how it's reacting, and just get good at trying to stay present. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with other people, even when you're not totally triggered or activated. It's just a good thing to do to really be a good listener. I mean, that's a whole nother episode, just how to stay with somebody in a conversation and not not check out. So It's just extra hard when you're dealing yeah. with a loaded experience yep. with your own trauma. Yeah, you're really swimming against the current at that point. It's it's hard. Let's talk about the, the second part, which is what do you do now after you've left that conversation and you're driving home or you get home and you're thinking about, okay, is this something my husband's doing now? Am I, am I being tipped off now that I need to react to something? Chances are, you know, what you're feeling is probably coming just from her experience. Chances are that it doesn't reflect reality of what's going on for you. And so what I would recommend is that you, again, set that boundary and just say, okay, that's her story. Let me look at my life. And and you can kind of just do a scan and, and really check and see like, okay, where are we at? What's the last, you know, what's the last conversation we have? How have things felt in my marriage? What kind of work are we doing? And just kind of get back into owning your own story and recognize that you don't have to be where they are. And I also think there's a really strong thing where uh, you can take maybe some of the things that you felt, some of the sensitivities that came up for you. And if there's something that came up, for example, let's say that the, the other woman said something like, well, my husband's on his phone all the time. And all of a sudden you're like, my husband's on his phone all the time. Well, that may not have anything to do with him being secretive and acting out, but it may be something that for you has been on your mind or in your heart and you recognize, I probably need to talk to my husband about how much he's on his phone. So you can take those insights and bring them over to your relationship and just sit with it and go, I think that one matters to me. You know, honey, I, I really need to talk to you about how much you're on your phone. Instead of, why are you on your phone all the time? Are you looking at pornography? You know, you don't need to turn it into something it's not. You can just recognize those interactions with other women may bring up things that you are already important to you or that you may have already been noticing in your environment. And you can just go with them and talk about them and address them in a more structured, slower way instead of acting like they mean something bigger. And you have permission to do that. And the other thing you can do is simply ask for reassurance. You can even say to your husband, hey, I had a conversation with a friend today 
it, I mean, there were some similarities that were just really raw for me, and and it was hard for me to stay present for my friend, and I just needed some some love and reassurance tonight as as I think about that. Yeah, just be vulnerable, open up. I love that, and let them know what happened to you. So there's some context about where that came from, because otherwise it'll be like, wow, honey, why do you have so much energy about me being on my phone? There's a backstory to it, and I think. Any guy that I think is working a good recovery program would be grateful for the context because otherwise it's going to feel like a bolt out of the blue. Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of guys start having an aversion for their wife to go to a group or talk to friends about this because they notice that their wife comes home and It's on the warpath. Yeah, Yeah. it's on the warpath. And so guys, they literally get expectant of Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And obviously we want people to learn from others. And sometimes when you hear someone else say something, it triggers something inside of you to remember, Hey, that's important to me, or that's a, that's, that's affecting me as well. And, and they decide to kind of go home and address it with their spouse. That's important, but we want it to be in a healthy, mutual collaborative kind of way, not a trauma centered way. Right. So in review for the women, Stay present when somebody else is talking, recognize what's happening in your body, recognize that that's their story and you're feeling these things more strongly because you have to go there in order to connect with them. And then afterwards, own your own story, recognize what's working and what's not working in your relationship. Don't compare and ask for what you need if something does feel like it matters and give a lot of context about where that came from. Tell the whole story so that it doesn't feel like you're just in reaction to trauma. You want to stay out of fight or flight. You want to stay non-reactive and recognize that as you connect and support other women, things might come up, but that's okay. And that's just part of you being human and having been betrayed and connecting with other women. So, okay. You want to switch gears and talk about the men? Okay. All right, guys. So let's talk a little bit about kind of some of the realities of what addiction does to an individual. So, uh, one conditioning effect that occurs in men is, when they're acting out, they are teaching their body that they get this good feeling without having to do any work. And particularly when it comes to relationships, there's literally a relationship with the screen that is occurring if they're viewing pornography or if they're having illicit sex. It's centered around sex. It's not centered around the healthy, normal kind of pre- behaviors that occur that lead up to a sexual experience. So they're, they're literally conditioning their body to, to have a good feeling without any of the work. And so that can come into a lot of problems when they're trying to regain trust from their wife. Like they might do a good thing and not much work and it's not enough. It doesn't get the response from their wife that they're wanting and they get really, really upset about that. And oftentimes men, if they experience pain, this is where switcheroos happen. They'll switch it back on and blame someone else, particularly their closer, the closer the relationship, the more frequently this is going to happen. And they have to kind of accept that, okay, I've had years or decades of being conditioned that I have a good feeling without having to do any work. Now I have to lean into the pain, work good recovery, and do the work, the suffering, the wrestling, all the, all the work that's involved, and then get the good feeling. 
And every there's a you know different time frame for everything with that, particularly when it comes to regaining trust. And it's really difficult for guys to get used to that feeling. They're not used to having to do all that work first. They're not used to really having a, a in-depth conversation, having to really go through the, you know, the bottom layers of a relationship and working up to that good feeling. And so it's really helpful for them to rem- to be reminded of leaning into the pain. And without that, <laughs> they're going to just switcheroo and put it back on their wife or whoever it is that, that they're kind of working with. Right, as if she's expecting too much or requiring something that is actually just part of a healthy relationship. I mean, what, what somebody needs in order to feel, I mean, you think about what it takes to, to create healthy sexual intimacy in a marriage. Um, it, it doesn't happen like it does in pornography. It's not like you just click a button and things just happen. Clothes come off and it's just go. That's not, that's a fantasy. Um, your wife is a person. She's, you know, she's had a, she's, you know, she's got a personality. She's got ideas and thoughts and a, a body that's her own. And she's got a schedule and demands and commitments and fatigue and other kinds of things and wants to be seen and noticed. And there's just a lot of steps and layers that go into just maintaining a healthy intimacy. But pornography trains people's brains, especially for many of them since they were kids. Right. That... Uh, this shouldn't be difficult to have a sexual experience. Like, why are we doing all this work? They're actually, in many cases, surprised. Yeah. They're just like, wait, I actually have to do something here? And if they do, guess who they blame? Right. Guess whose fault it is? As if she's doing something wrong expecting that. Correct. And guys, you've got to accept that the effect that this addiction has had on you is it's suggested to you that you don't have to do any work. You can just go straight to the good feeling. And recovery turns all of that around where the value is the work. The icing on the top may be that sexual experience, but the amount of growth and development that occurs as you do the work is really what defines the value of that relationship. And most importantly, it defines the trust. And that's what we're trying to restore is the trust. Not only trust with yourself that you can endure that pain, and this is healthy pain, into putting the the work and the effort and the sacrifice into the relationship to achieve that good feeling of connection, whether it's emotional connection or sexual connection. But the, the work takes on a whole new value. Whereas when you're in addiction, you didn't have time for that work. You just wanted the straight feeling. So there's going to be a lot of experiences that feel like they're harder than they need to be, but they're actually exactly what they need to be. And that's just the work of building connection, trust, intimacy, closeness. And that is so satisfying. And yeah, I mean, obviously um, there's a, there's a longing to be bonded and connected physically, sexually, emotionally, all these different ways. And all of those can be so satisfying, but all of them also take a lot of effort and work. And sitting with uncertainty, sitting with discomfort, sitting with a lot of feedback and different perspectives, and it's just an ongoing daily type of interaction, and there's no button to push. You right. just have to sit with it. Right. And and guys at first, when, when discovery occurs, and they're quote-unquote in trouble because they've done something bad, they get that it's going to take work. 
But that phase, I call it the honeymoon phase, it ends. And then they kind of start let, letting that conditioning take over again. They, they've worked recovery now for two or three months, and they should go back to normal. No work, straight good feeling. Guys, you've got to recognize that relationships throughout your life, no matter what stage they're in, are always going to require work. Even for people who haven't betrayed their partners. Right. It's, that's just the nature of relationships yeah. because, again, the value of a relationship is defined by people who do the work and are willing to be patient and wait for that good feeling to come, that connection, whether it's emotional connection, uh, recreational connection, or even a sexual connection. That's great. Good. Anything else on that? That's everything. Just lean into the pain, fellas, okay. and don't be afraid of the work. Healthy pain. You're not doing it wrong if it hurts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back another episode with some more tips, and uh, have a great day. Thank you.